Welcome to Disclaimers Aside, a podcast where I share the raw and honest stories of people in my community, Disclaimers Aside. I'm your host, Aisada Amadou, and let's dive into the episode. Are you guys looking for a new podcast to check out? Well, I'm excited to tell you guys about a new literary podcast called Well-Read Black Girl. It's the literary kickback you never knew you needed. Well-Read Black Girl is hosted by Glory Edom, who created the Well-Read Black Girl community, a thriving global center she built to be a safe, supportive space for Black women to engage with authors of color. On the show, Glory hosts intimate, in-depth conversations about the craft of writing and its intersection with art, politics, and social justice with the most impactful thinkers, makers, and authors of color today. Luminaries like Tarana Burke, Gabrielle Union, Anita Hill, Britt Bennett, and more discuss how they found their voice, honed their skill, and composed some of the most interesting and impactful writing of the day. You'll also meet Black bookstore owners, literary advocates, and members of the well-read Black Girl Book Club who pay homage to the legacies of the women who paved the way. Whether you're an aspiring writer, a total bookworm, or just want a sneak peek behind the page of the brightest minds around, this show is for you. Listen to Well-Read Black Girl wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. I know everyone is listening from different parts of the world, but I'm currently recording this podcast in Santa Cruz, and this past week has been so abnormally cold. I always thought in my head that December to January was the coldest time of the year, but really it's more like January, February is what I'm realizing recently. Anyways, I'm recording this episode at the end of week eight of winter quarter, and this past week was enrollment which surprisingly went pretty smoothly. How enrollment works here at UC Santa Cruz is that the more credits you have, the earlier appointment you have. And so even though I'm technically a second year, I have junior standing just because of all the extra classes I've taken like over the summer and then AP credits from high school. Always recommend bulking up on those AP classes because they really do help you in the long run. So all of that has just kind of made things a lot easier this time around. I feel like enrollment has always been such a stressful thing last year when I was a first year but this year it has been really nice to just be able to get the classes that I want. I feel like enrollment always makes me so excited for the new quarter. I am probably the biggest poster child for the quarter system because once I'm sick of a class it's pretty much onto a new course load. This week's podcast episode I actually have a guest that I met in DC this past fall And I met Dinah in November of 2021 for the Michelle Obama BET special. She was wearing these crocheted heart earrings on the bus. And to the actual taping, she wore a dress that she even crocheted herself. So naturally, I was like, you should start an Etsy shop. And of course, Dinah already had a beautiful crochet boutique called Tikor Couture. Her designs are absolutely stunning and best of all they're handcrafted on her social media she really takes you through the process and shows you some of the behind the scenes on a lot of her projects which i think is really really cool because you get that like insight to everything and if you do end up buying some of her designs you can see kind of what the process was like to actually make it which you don't get to typically see with fast fashion i don't want to spoil too much so let's just go ahead and dive into the episode Welcome to Disclaimers Aside. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I love 
your YouTube channel. And then when you started the podcasts, I just had to keep listening to that as well. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So how are you doing this week? This week, let me see. I I am so busy because... So at the University of Chicago, we're on the quota system. And so right now we have two more weeks, not even left until finals. And my thesis is due at the end of the quota as well. So I'm very busy. Also got to find a job. So very busy. And I'm studying abroad next quota. And I got to prepare for that. So very busy. Wow. Oh my gosh. Where are you studying abroad? I will be in Vienna, Austria for the human rights program. So I'm really looking forward to that. Like I have been banking my whole college career on going to study abroad. So no, I am so jealous because study abroad is something that I would love to do by the end of the time that I finish college. But it's so expensive. And I don't know. I don't know if I'll have the time with like the way the pandemic has gone. But I would love to do it if I could have the opportunity. For real though, because like I'll be studying abroad like my last quarter senior year which isn't ideal but I was like shoot I just want it way too much and I'm with you on the expensive part of it highly recommend if you do find the time in your schedule applying to the Gilman scholarship um because they they will help they will help fund some of that and it's definitely coming in clutch for me right now thank you no I'm definitely gonna have to check that out I'm also on the quarter system and it's also week eight for me we're like heading into finals I know exactly how you feel this is like enrollment week so I'm just really trying to enjoy my weekend before like the chaos of the last end of the quarter ensues honestly that is me right now like so many people I know are like away on like mini vacays whether it's just to go back home or like some people have like weekend-long conferences and they know this is the only weekend they'll be able to do that because these next two weeks are just going to be crazy for all of us so what is your intention for this upcoming week this upcoming week I'm thinking I really want to work on my thesis so ideally I would love to have my first draft done And I'll have notes from like uh, another student as well as hopefully my advisor so I can get my first draft done, do some edits, and like the bulk of that will just be over with. And then I want to start looking and applying to some more jobs as well as finish the rough draft for my final for one class. So those are like my three major big projects I'd love to get done this week. And then whatever I don't finish this week, that's just going to move into next week. That's really good. I know uh, the idea of like working on a thesis, especially like a year long thesis, I'm sure is so daunting. It really is. It's definitely gotten to the point where it's a lot better right now. But I wasted so much time just procrastinating on it because it just felt like such a big task, which it is. It is a very big task. But like when you break it down and realize, okay, I guess I do have a year to work on it. I guess I could break it down in these different structures. And the way that my major in particular works is a sociology major. Um, We have had like thesis seminar classes since spring of our junior years so like when this quarter is done we really would have been working on it for an entire year and they gave us assignments for each quarter as well as over the summer which has helped me break it down a lot more but I would definitely say that I really didn't start writing my thesis until this quarter because like I said I just procrastinated the heck out of doing this because it is extremely intimidating 
I'm sure. And I know because I remember I asked you about uh, your thesis when you were in D.C. So I know you have a really cool idea. So I'm I'm excited to see how it comes together. I'm sure it's going to be all worth it in the end. And, you know, all of the labor is going to really come through. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. But yeah, I just got to get it over with. So for anyone who is not familiar with you or what you create, give the audience a two minute elevator pitch kind of about yourself. OK, here we go. So hello, everyone. My name is Dinah. I am currently a senior at the University of Chicago, majoring in sociology with a minor in human rights. My interests span to a bunch of different things. Namely, um, I love focusing on Black people, and so that's what my sociology thesis is mostly about. Oh, and I also love fashion. So my thesis is basically combining both of these things, where I see the ways in which Black students utilize fashion, clothing, and accessories to spread messages on their predominantly white campuses. And so honestly, my thesis is me in a nutshell, okay? Like, I love anything that has to do with diversity and inclusivity and bringing more Black people to the center and in the limelight. And I also really love fashion. I have my own crochet clothing brand called Tico Couture, where I hand make clothing. And I just like to do that for fun, honestly. That's me, y'all. Everything you do is so cool. And I love that your senior thesis is really just like a culmination of like all of the different aspects of your life and your passions. Um, I think that's really cool. And I think it'll definitely like shine through in your writing. Thank you so much. That's another thing I really love to do. I love writing, specifically not academic writing. That's why I decided, at least in this present moment, not to go to grad school. Um, but I love just like creative writing. And so one thing that I'm really trying to get more into is like, I really want to write a book. Like that's another one of those things I got to do before, you know, like I really want to write a book. Like I love reading. I love storytelling. I'm in love with it. I see it like literally wherever I go. I love movies. I love TV shows. I love scripts. I just, I just love it because I feel like it has the ability to both inform and entertain and inspire. Ugh, I could go on, honestly, but yeah, I'm in love with it. I completely agree. There's such like a power to storytelling that you don't see in any other way. Like it can really, it can touch the hearts and minds of people. It can change people's perspective on the world, as you mentioned, and I absolutely love storytelling. So Disclaimers aside, what is one unpopular opinion you have? One unpopular opinion I have. I'm kind of scared to say this one on a podcast, but I would say, <laughs> I would say that I just found it really hard to get into euphoria. I found it very difficult. And that's not, not to say- Disclaimers aside. Yeah, and it's not even to say that it's bad. It's just that I don't think, I can't stomach it. It's almost just too much for me. Hmm. I think that's a really good one. I, I completely agree. I am a fan of Euphoria, but whenever I kind of recommend it to people, I always put heavy emphasis on trigger warning because there can be a lot of triggering and graphic material in it. And I have a friend actually who also loves watching Euphoria. And it's interesting because she was like, asking someone else like oh do you watch euphoria and the girl was talking about how no she doesn't really like the show and she was like how can you not like the show like because 
storytelling wise it's such a masterpiece like it is a great there's a lot of great storytelling that goes on in the show but the girl kind of talked about how she can't get through it because she experienced stuff in her life that make made watching the show very triggering i don't know it's like on the one hand i definitely appreciate it for all of those creative aspects that go into the production of it but i think it's also important to recognize that it's not for everyone and that it is highly graphic and triggering i think another thing too is that my sisters watched it together and because i was late i was watching it by myself and i think it's one of those shows that i think it would be nice to have somebody to watch it with yeah i like that i think the way that people are watching it right now is like the weekly episodes on sunday and at first because i'm the type of person who loves to binge watch shows but i think with this show you are right that you kind of have to like space out the episodes and really sit with it because watching it all at once can be really overwhelming and highly stimulating so you go to the university of chicago which is so cool by the way um i actually grew up in the suburbs outside of chicago and Chicago is just my favorite city, hands down. I can't believe you got through those essay prompts though. So what are your favorite and least favorite aspects of attending UChicago? Let's start with my favorite. Let's let's start positively. So I would say my favorite part, hands down, has just been the people I have met here. Because the people I have met here have helped lead to a lot of the opportunities that I will never forget, okay? Like, it was through the people that I met at the University of Chicago that led me to DC where I met you and Michelle Obama, you know what I'm saying? And so in that front, I feel like I will forever be grateful for just like the relationships and the friendships that I've been able to build while at this university. Like, I feel like that's just, that's the one thing I know that I will never be able to repay them back about. And my least favorite thing, Okay, I need to just pick one. Let's see. I would probably say my least favorite thing is racism, you know, type stuff, type energy. I feel like with the uni- with this university in particular, it's, set- it's situated on the south side of Chicago. The communities surrounding Hyde Park in New Chicago are all black, all black communities. And we are this big, wealthy, white institution just sitting in the middle of it. And I feel like it's definitely had its place in amplifying gentrification as well as um, our UCPD force, which is the UChicago Police Department, our school police department, is just growing bigger and bigger. And I think we're like either the or one of the schools with like the largest police forces, like campus police forces. And so, you know, that that stuff definitely, you know, doesn't feel good. It, it, it truly doesn't. I think speaking to the first thing that you mentioned, community is so important, which I realized is a big thing that you kind of gain from going to college is meeting people that will push you in directions that you may not have been able to push yourself if you hadn't gone to college. And as you mentioned, like we both had this incredible opportunity to go to D.C. and the same thing for me. I wouldn't have applied to it if my um, program coordinator at my internship hadn't forwarded, forwarded the email out to the team and suggested that we all apply. And so, yeah, college is a a place where there are so many opportunities to really lo- learn and grow from the people around you. But also there is a 
kind of darker side of going to predominantly white institutions as a person of color, especially as a, as black women, it can be very challenging. And I know specifically with you, Chicago, because I took a approaches to black studies class last quarter, which was kind of like new at here at UC Santa Cruz. And we were looking at different uh, institutions and seeing how different institutions over time have adopted a Black Studies minor or major. And I saw recently that UChicago adopted, was it a minor or a major? So finally, finally, the university um, made a department for um, ethnic studies, essentially. So we could never, we could have never, like we didn't have like African-American studies or none of that that I got to see at other universities. Yeah, no, it, it, it really is sad. I think here, here at Santa Cruz, we have a critical race and ethnicity studies major. And then we just recently, last February, which the timing of that is very interesting, but last February, we finally introduced a Black Studies minor. But we still have a long way to go. And these institutions that have been here for generations that have been built on these structures, like you mentioned, like Chicago is literally in the, in the heart of the South side of Chicago and should be rooted in the Black community, right? And yet that's not really reflective in the opportunities or like the institution itself. 100%. Even with the release of the news of the department, the way that the university worded it over email was, it was because of the push of faculty that made, you know, the ethnic department studies, which isn't necessarily true because from the minute I stepped on campus, there were student organizers who were demanding ethnic studies apartments. And this had been going on probably even before I got to UChicago. And so I feel like deflating the effort that students also had in creating this department to me, I do notice that the university does that a lot. They like to take credit for the efforts that students have made in making the university a more diverse and inclusive space. And so they really got to correct themselves on that because a lot of the ideas that they've taken or a lot of the things that have happened have really been from the effort of students putting in the work. It's very much disregarding kind of the history that's that's there, that's behind those movements. Mm. Exactly. Okay, so let's pivot and let's talk about crocheting. How did you first get into it? I started crocheting when I was 12 years old um, because my mom wanted to learn how to crochet, but she wasn't very tech savvy savvy at the time. And so she made me learn on YouTube. So I just watched a bunch of different tutorials. And for a minute, there were periods where I just got super frustrated because as with most things, when you're starting, it's comes out pretty ugly not gonna lie and so I got very deterred in the beginning and I would pick it up and I would quit and I'd pick it up and I would quit and I did eventually end up teaching my mom and my mom was crocheting for a bit but then she stopped like she used to work at like a nursing home as like the hairstylist but she would be very engaged with a lot of the other just like um residents that lived there and they had like a crochet club and my mom joined the crochet club but she would never crochet anything and she would always ask me to crochet something and then she would bring it like she crocheted it 
don't mean to put her on blast, but you know, just say, just sharing the truth. And so a lot of the time I just started and I started off with whatever was on YouTube. And you have to remember I was 12. So this was 2011, 2012 when YouTube, a lot of crochet YouTube videos consisted of older white women crocheting very granny things like crocheting the, um, the, the kinds of things you think when you think of the word crochet, essentially. And so I started off practicing with a lot of those. But then I think a big reason I just kept getting out of it is because a lot of the stuff I was making was just got boring out of the time. Like I was tired of making beanies. I was tired of making scarves. Like I wanted more. Either very end of high school or very beginning of college, I discovered a Facebook group called Chasing Sunray. It was basically just a community of black female crocheters and they were making some of the most craziest things I had ever seen. I was like, I didn't know you could make that with crochet. Like I didn't even know that was possible. And so after being exposed to that community, I was able to find like more tutorials and stuff by other black women. And uh, that's how I learned like the basics of making clothing. Then I was like, hmm, you know what? There aren't tutorials for everything I wanna make. Let me test the waters a little bit and start making stuff. So when I finally found that group chat, that I'm going to say that was like fresh, probably freshman year. I really wasn't crocheting that much because I didn't have a lot of time to crochet. But then came the pandemic and all of a sudden we had a bunch of time, right? So I started crocheting a lot more and that's when I started utilizing those patterns to start making clothing. Um, but then during the pandemic, BLM happened, right? And so I had just so many thoughts running through my head. And, you know, I lived in the suburbs. My mom, not, none of my sisters ha have a car. Like we don't have a car. We don't know how to drive. And our mom locks us in the house. Like not in like, you know, a weird way, just like protective parent. And so... I was like, what can I do from my home but still be a part of this movement and because I still have a lot to say? And so then I was like, you know what? I'm getting good at crocheting. Why don't I use this as a vessel to kind of start talking about, you know, some of these issues? And so I started my crochet account. I literally DM'd any, everyone I knew on Instagram. I was like, hey, I'm starting a business. Why don't you go ahead and follow me and check out my account? And I just started posting. In the beginning, it was just something really like fun. It was like a way for me to just get my, the thoughts that were inside of my head out. And so a lot, I would just crochet things and then I'd put captions that were expressing a lot of the things that were going on in the time. Um, and I just used it as that sort of vessel. And so it really started off as a creative outlet for me. And so I would say that is like, my journey with crocheting and on my crochet account that's really when I started making my own designs and that's really when I started my like making clothing and so my Instagram account is essentially a portfolio of that journey and so it's been really cool to see my skills improve as time has gone on. I love that. I really think that it is really cool to see such like fresh designs as you mentioned because when you think of crocheting you don't think of what you would find on your page. And I I remember when I first saw your page, I was like, whoa, like these are some really cool designs. And you, and you can really see a lot of kind of like the behind the scene process. That's one thing I love about your TikToks and your reels is that you kind of show bits of the process 
while you're designing. So take me through the process process of what it's actually like creating like a design from start to finish. Like what does what does the time commitment look like? Um, it may look like it it doesn't take that much time like when you speed up the clips like that, but I'm sure it is a lot of labor behind that. So much labor. And I feel like that's one of the hard things about having tried to make crochet into a business, especially working all by myself. It's very hard to be profitable when it'll take me like weeks to complete one project. And so trying to give you like a more like, I guess, efficient timeline I would say focusing like on my actually let's focus on this black history month exposition that I did recently the process for that was like it's black history month I know I need to go all out what can I do and what can I create and so I came up with the idea of essentially recreating fits I saw black celebrities wear but do it with a twist and crochet it right the process really began in this case with finding different celebrities that I liked and also liked what they were wearing. And when I finally picked out those pictures, it was about, okay, how can I make this into crochet? Into how can I make it my own at the same time? In this scenario, the designing aspect of it was a lot easier because I already had, I guess, a muse, like a straight up muse as to what I was trying to recreate and so it was just about finding and sourcing the materials to make it and then setting aside the time to make it and so the whole process for the BHM those four outfits took me the whole month I spent a week and just spread out my time within each week while still in school and having to complete my assignments and working on my thesis and stuff like that and I just took the week to not only crochet all of this stuff but also find times to take pictures then I gotta edit the pictures then I gotta make the reels and the tiktoks before I finally get to post it and be done and so I would say that's essentially the process for a lot of the things I make specifically going back to like the collections that I had the designing process for those are a lot longer because it's me trying to envision something from scratch. I do not know how to draw at all. So sometimes I'll get my twin sister, who's a fantastic artist, to draw things for me so I can see it out. And when she doesn't have the time, I literally just have to have it in my head or I try to make like a very bad drawing of it. And then I try to recreate it. Whenever I recreate something out of crochet, though, it never comes out like how I drew it. And it's not even that I have a problem with that. It's just like as I'm crocheting through the actual process of crocheting, my vision either changes or I realize that there's, there are some things with regular garments that don't translate as well, either with crochet in general or just with the particular fiber that I'm using. I know that was a long answer, but just it is very laborious. Like a lot of these projects take me an average of 10 hours or maybe maybe a minimum of 10 hours. I don't know. Like I would definitely say average between six to 20 plus hours, depending on the project that I'm doing. And so it very much is time consuming. And that's kind of what makes it hard to sell because I also want to pride myself on being a sustainable brand, not just in the fibers that I use, but hopefully when I get to the point of onboarding help, making sure they paid ethical wages, because I think that's very important, especially when looking at the fashion industry and looking at the essential slave labor that goes on in the workforce. That's not cool. And I definitely don't want to be a part of that. And so that's definitely the vision. But that's my long yet short answer to your question. 
No, I can only imagine what the time commitment is like because, you know, I do content creation and just just doing that alone is a lot. Um, there's a lot that goes into it along with like everything else that you're doing in your life. I just want to say like I really loved the series you did during Black History Month. I thought the looks were so cool. My favorites were probably the last two looks, the Issa Rae one you did most recently and the Meg Thee Stallion one. They look so cool and also just like there's so much creativity too in the TikToks that you make as well. Like pulling off those transitions, I'm sure like it cannot be easy. So one thing that I'm really working on is getting more involved in video content just because that really is the wave. And exactly what you said, social media, look, before I started this page, I didn't know managing a social media account would be so difficult. But now that I've started, I understand why this is people's full-time jobs because it's so much work to not only video the content, to not only plan it and execute it, to edit it, you know, like, and to form some sort of strategy so people can actually see it. Like, it, it really is a lot behind the scenes of work. And so it's definitely been a lot to juggle, especially because the craft I do itself is very time-consuming. And part of the struggle that I've been having is if I'm spending so much time crocheting, it doesn't leave me a lot of time to do a lot of things. And so a lot of the transitions and stuff I do now, like, again, I'm always late with the times. Like, I can never post a trend when it's trending because it's like, oh, I want to do this trend for this outfit. I make the outfit. By the time I post it, the trend's over, right? So in that department, it's been very difficult to try and balance, but... One thing I learned with the last two fits in particular, you know, I, I got to start treating TikToks as more low stake. So I started just taking random video footage of me while I was in the outfit, whether it was with me dancing or just doing poses and then filming it or me just walking. And I've learned to kind of think about content after I've actually gotten a lot of the video footage. So I just try to get as much video footage as possible so that I can find some ways to utilize it. I know I can, when it comes to transitions, I can always rely on, okay, let me put my yarn to the camera in case, you know, there's a song that has a very emphasized transition and I can use that in some capacity. And so I feel like I've been trying to be a bit more open-minded and a bit more like low stake when it comes to video content in particular, just because it definitely is like taking over I would say it's very hard to grow without doing video content and I can't remember where I heard this but I heard it was some content creator I heard say this that was uh essentially saying that they've just been trying to make like content creation more so part of their life as opposed to like moving their life to make room for content creation and so I've been just trying to abide by that motto honestly because I don't have time to make a bunch of room to create a lot of these things and I think it does make more sense for it to fit just more so into my lifestyle and I think that's another reason why I really did fall in love with your YouTube channel after meeting you in DC because I feel like that's one of the things that you do so well and do so successfully and I think that's one of the reasons why it's so easy to watch your stuff and why like the authenticity is really there because you're taking things that you already love you're taking things that you would do regardless of having a YouTube channel and just sharing that and so I've been trying to learn from creators like you to kind of 
mold that into like my own content creation skills because I want to show more behind the scenes and I want to show more of me and my personality because I named my brand after me. Tcore is my middle name. And so definitely just want to do more of that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I think I think a reason why I've been able to personally like do YouTube for so long because I know sometimes people will be like, how have you managed to stay consistent with uploading is that you know, as you said, like the tip you said, um, I, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, making the content reflect your the things you're already doing in your life, right? And that way you're not spending all this time because content creation can be very demanding and a very draining process. Just making sure you're not getting burnt out from that because it can be a lot at the end of the day. And I think also too, like something that I've been re- uh, learning a lot recently is that in your content creation, when you kind of make like your page, like almost like a community and you like share little insights into the behind the scenes and share insights into your your life at a, at a place that's comfortable f- for you, obviously. I think that building that community makes your platform lasts a lot longer and it creates a lot more longevity, right? Like people are not only buying your um, designs, but they they also know kind of a little bit of what it was like to make the design and kind of the story behind it and where that design came from. So I think that that is something that you de- you can definitely kind of see on your platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Let's rewind it back a little bit, right? So when I first started the Instagram channel, I was all about community. I was all about interacting with people. Again, it was the pandemic. I had so much time and I was doing it just for fun at the time. I didn't expect it to grow. But then when it started growing, I placed all of this extra pressure on myself and I had these expectations for, okay, I need to get this many likes. I need to get this many views, uh, yada, yada, yada. And it just became numbers, numbers, numbers. And I'm not a numbers person, okay? I'm a, I'm in that writing, creative, go with the flow type field. And so I really was just like, man, like it just became a lot less fun. Honestly, it really did. And I found myself engaging a lot less and therefore I got a lot less engagement back. And I felt like there was just this period on social media where I was just stagnant. And not just stagnant in terms of like the amount of followers I was getting or whatever, but just stagnant in terms of my own emotions. Like I was posting and I was posting consistently, but I was not feeling it. Like I was posting good content, but I wasn't really feeling it. I wasn't really believing in myself. And I felt like I was doing things because I had to or because I was expected to. And so as of recently, and honestly, I think the DC trip was the spark of it all, to be honest. I started changing my mindset and orienting myself back on the, this should be a fun thing for me. It's like, yes, I do want it to be a business and I do want to make money. I do. And I will get there, but I can't get there if I feel like I'm draining myself and I don't want to get there if it's turning into something I don't love anymore. And so after really reorienting my mindset and honestly just freeing myself from a lot of the constraints because algorithms be playing with my emotions okay social media plays with my emotions before I started this account I was barely ever on social media and so this was something I really had to learn and adapt to now having to be on it so consistently 
And so I've really taken the motto of this year, one of my resolutions was to just not let outside forces control my emotions as much. Because when my emotions are in control by somebody else, I have no creative energy and I have no flow. And so I've just been working on building that back up and definitely interacting with the community much more than I had in the past has been very refreshing. I've learned to set new goals and to have new standards of what I guess success looks like on my page. And I really see that with the Black History Month collection in particular. Like that wasn't going to make me any money. If anything, I lost lots of money on that yarn, you know, because I was just making things to be creative about it. And I felt the most fulfilled in those moments, being able to create things that I wanted, um, giving myself a timeline that was actually feasible for me and being able to connect and interact with the community, be like, okay, well, what is it that y'all want to see at the same time? And so definitely, definitely it has been a journey for sure, but I'm really on the mindset now of, okay, look, listen, we do want this to be a business and we do want to make money eventually, but you know what? You're in a fortunate position where you can get a job for a couple of years and while you're working the job, build up this business so you don't got to have a job no more and you can focus on this business and whatever other creative ventures I have because I have so many things I want to do. And none of them include a job, but you know, we got to make sacrifices in life. Yeah, no, that is very, very important to just keep that in mind. And going back to earlier when you mentioned the Facebook group, that sense of community is what drawed you into the passion. I think people, especially after this pandemic, are really just looking for spaces where they can find a community at the end of the day. It is very important when you get wrapped up in the numbers because it can be very demoralizing, right? You put in all of this work creatively and the algorithm is not going to reflect like it's not linear it's not going to reflect how much work you put into creating something the numbers are never going to reflect that it's that's just not how social media works so i think like once i realized that and and really really like internalized that then it became a lot easier to not get so burnt out and get so bogged down about when you experience periods where you're putting in all of this effort right creatively and it's not reflecting in the numbers it's just not sustainable is what i've realized like over time that is a hundred percent correct because i feel like the minute i started realizing that too is the minute i started feeling a lot better about myself you're so right like that word really just sums it up it is demoralizing it is totally demoralizing especially because I'm trying not to do the comparison game because the comparison game is the killer of all joy. But I was doing the comparison thing. I was. And I'm like, man, this video got this many views and this many likes and they did nothing. And I spent hours, literal hours on this thing and I'm not getting nothing. But you know what? I had to let it go. I really had to get to a point where I let it go. I also had to let go of comparing myself to people who were doing better than me as well. Because it was just it was just going to steal my joy. It was going to steal the things that I should be proud of. Because, you know, learning how to crochet in the first place. Like, if my 12-year-old self could look at me now, they'd be like, you are a rock star. Because when I started out, I was terrible. And so I feel like going back, like, honestly, like, going back to the beginning in terms of what it felt like 
to first start, like that initial excitement of starting something new and looking forward to something is kind of the mindset I've been trying to put myself back in. That is definitely so important because before you start something, like if you think back to your mindset of like before you started all of this and you you think about all all of the growth that you've gone through like you would be amazed looking at where you are in this moment right whenever you're feeling like those those feelings of like I'm not doing enough I'm not where I should be like just think about all of the growth that you've already gone through and let me tell you something I do believe in the saying that everything happens for a reason that's how I get through life (laughs) I really get through life with that saying And two, I feel like major examples, and it all goes back to DC too. Two major examples, I feel like this is what happens. So my freshman year, the university was giving away free tickets for students to go to a Good Morning America like TV segment where Michelle Obama was going to be speaking, right? And it wasn't a raffle or nothing like that. It was literally first come, first serve. So I was one of the first people to see that email. I went ahead, I asked for my tickets, and then I went and told all my friends about it. And my friends, they went ahead and got their tickets too. So we wait a couple of days, they come back. I get an email that says, that I didn't get the ticket. I'm like, man, people must have been quick. Then I go talk to my other friends and they're like, yeah, I got the ticket. I'm like, how that happened? You guys got yours after me. So I had no idea what happened in that moment. I had no idea what happened in that moment. I was upset. You know, I was happy for my friends. I'm like, tell her hi for me, please. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, shoot, why did that have to happen to me? And then my junior year, I think, Grownish, the television show, was doing this competition. And the winner got $10,000 and got to go to like an episode of the set on Grownish, whatever, I can't remember. And essentially, the way that the bidding process worked is that you submitted your work, um, it would be uploaded on the website once it was approved. And then when it was time for judging, Yara Shahidi, um, the costume designer, and I think one of the other actors were going to look at the, look at the work and make their final decision. I was so stoked. I dropped everything. I applied, put my stuff in. I didn't see it pop into the website. I didn't know what the heck was happening. So I shot my shot. I emailed Yara Shahidi. She emailed me back, said she was going to look into it for me, looked into it for me. I had gotten disqualified and that upset me, not even because I didn't win. Cause I'm like, shoot, if I, if I got in, if I, I'll submit it and I didn't, I, I lost, that's fine. At least they saw my work. It's the fact they didn't even get to see my work. Now, both of these events, one my freshman year, the other junior year, come senior year, I get the opportunity to meet both of them. And that, to me, was just a reminder. That's what I'm saying. It's a reminder in those moments where something doesn't go the way I want it to go, when someone tells me no, when I got a rejection, when things don't work out my way, there is something bubbling. There is something bigger and better bubbling in the future. And that's why I really feel like that DC trip was the turning point for me. It really was the turning point for me because it showed me what I was capable of. It showed me even my wildest dreams, the things that people said would stay in my mind can come to life. Like even being at this university, if I go back to my 12 year self, would she think I was here? I remember in high school, my mom was like, oh yeah, she wants to go to the University of Chicago. And some of the other parents were like, oh, a girl can dream. Well, guess what? I did dream and I'm here anyway. And so I feel like it's moments like that that really teach me 
the power of manifestation and that the only person that needs to believe in you is you. And one one more story I will share. This don't this isn't even a story that has anything to do with me. Have you heard of the um what's it called? The the company, the lip bar? Lip bar. No, I haven't. So let me tell you, this is a black owned makeup brand, right? And 10 years ago, they pitched their business to Shark Tank. Shark Tank not only shut them down, but laughed in their face essentially and made fun of their product um, and said it really wasn't going to be that successful. 10 years later, they are a multi-million dollar business with their products in Target stores across the country. And you can see billboards of their business up in major cities. And guess what? That happened because the only person that needed to believe in them was them. And I just love stories like that. I love stories like that because it shows me what is possible in life. It shows me that not everything comes all at once. You know what I'm saying? It shows me that there will be ups and there will be lots and lots of downs. But if you believe in yourself and if you got people around you that are going to support you, because that's also something that's very necessary because I don't want to say that if you work hard enough, you'll get it because there are many instances where people are putting in the work, but they're not getting the results. And I feel like part of the thing that is missing is having them rider or them rider dies that are going to be with you one step of the way and they're going to support you. So when you're in those moments where you're like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. They gonna, t- they gonna correct you real quick. And for me, I've been very fortunate to have people like that in my life because even with this crochet business, there are many points where I was gonna quit. But thank goodness I had people by my side that were like, girl, you know you love it. You know you wanna do it. So get up. Wow. That completely wraps up in a nutshell my entire perspective on life. Even, you know, when we were in D.C., one of the things that Michelle Obama told us was, the only story or narrative that matters is the narrative that you tell yourself, right? And at the end of the day, the rejection itself doesn't really matter as much as it matters what you do with that, how you move forward with whatever you want to pursue in your life. And so you can't look at rejection as a sign of, okay, I need to give up. There is so much more out there for you, you know? And as you said, things really do happen for a reason. It's it's crazy when you when you look back at your life and you think about all of the moments where you experience pitfalls of disappointment, but then you see how the way that certain things work out puts you in the place that you are today. It can be challenging uh, to constantly be creative in a way that I think that entrepreneurship demands. So where do you often draw your inspiration from for your designs? Black culture. Yes. Black culture. I mostly get it from books. Like books and like alt books specifically. And then also people. And so one of the collections I rolled out was based off of the book for colored girls. It's, it was just beautiful. Like just whatever I get inspiration. And that's really what it is. Like it'll be a quote that I hear someone say. It'll be me like walking down the street and just seeing somebody and, you know, I take a sneak picture of them because, like, it was something they was wearing or something they was doing that inspired me. It'd be the most random things, but it really be from Black people and Black culture. Like, honestly, that's really where I get the bulk of my inspiration from. You know, the pandemic led for a lot of reflecting. And so does senior year of college when you realize, oh my goodness, like, 
I'm not going to grad school and there's no more school after this. And so one of the key moments of reflection that I really realized for myself in terms of one thing that has really remained consistent was my desire to just see more representation in a lot of different things and a lot of different fields. And that's another reason why I'm just so heavily in love with storytelling. So much of my education has been about hearing about the world from one perspective, that perspective being predominantly white. And I'm just so sick of it. And to me, it's been so inspiring to have platforms like YouTube where I can follow other BIPOC creators or where I can, you know, actually pull up a TV show that was written, that was directed, and has Black people acting in it. And to me, that's just, oh, like you can hear it in my voice. Like, I just get so excited by that. I get so excited by that prospect. And so even for my business and even for the designs I make, like, that is the goal for me, to see more of that, to see more Black people doing what they got to do. Like for me, when I get my business to the point as to, w- to where I hope to grow it, I want to have Black people designing stuff. I want to have Black models. I want to have people, Black people being my creative directors. I just want more of that representation that in the early stages of my life that I didn't get to see. And that has really been just like how I've moved in life, even throughout the university, the organizations that I joined or the initiatives that I helped or founded here have always been about, man, I didn't have that. I wish I had that. You know what? Let me make sure they have that. And that's really what fuels me in life. Yeah, Black culture is is so beautiful and it's so rich. Even in a lot of the mainstream trends, like fashion trends these days that are kind of stolen from Black culture, it's, it's crazy to see how, you know, Black culture pioneered these trends and then now mainstream culture is kind of taking that. But I think that I completely agree with your what you said about how, like, you look back at your childhood and for me too like storytelling was very much like a huge part of my life i loved reading i loved going in the movie theater i loved watching tv shows and i never saw myself anywhere in any of the media that i consumed and i want to change that and it's it's so beautiful going into my 20s now seeing how we are taking that back right we're using new forms of media to take back representation to tell our stories when the larger industry of media has refused to tell our stories for so long. I wish you could see my facial expressions right now. I'm, ooh, like go off because that is honestly 100% correct. And I feel like that's another reason why it's really important too, because especially with a lot of marginalized identities, and I'm just going to, you know, keep on focusing on the Black community, is that it's not a monolith. Like, there are so many different types of Black people. Like me, for example. I grew up, I was born in London. I grew up in London, but then I moved to America. So I got this funny accent. But so many people are surprised whenever I open my mouth because they don't expect me to sound the way I do. And I feel like that's honestly been the experience of so many other Black people that I've just interacted with in terms of seeing that people had perceptions of who they were supposed to be and how they were supposed to talk like and how they were supposed to look and how they were supposed to think because of the stories that 
dominated popular culture. And so to be part of that wave where we are now being exposed to all of these different types of blackness and all of these different types of people has been honestly the best, best, best feeling ever. And we still got a lot of work to do. We definitely still got a lot of work to do. But I feel that we are really at the starting point. Like I feel like we are finally getting somewhere because... You know, even like when we talk about colorism, for example, and the the problems with representation representation there, or when we talk about, okay, now we have black people in front of the camera, but what about behind it? You know what I'm saying? And things just being more representative and more accurate. And then even thinking about like the aspect of only displaying black trauma, which that's that could be a whole podcast episode on its own, you know. We got a lot more work to do, but it's so good to, you know, even though these social media platforms do have their disadvantages, it's good to see Black creators using it to the best of their abilities and trying to spread these messages and just trying to be themselves. I'm a hopeful person, you know, I'm a wishful thinker. I'm an optimist. And so I really would love to see change and I definitely think that Black creatives are at the center of that. I agree. We have come a long way, but we have so, so, so much more of a long way to go. But I am hopeful, you know, and I think that through storytelling and through this new medium of media, that is how we are going to create change like more meaningful change we can oftentimes think like the only way to make change is through politics but storytelling is and creative other creative avenues are ways that we can create that change that necessary change and i think that's so true and even me coming to the university of chicago a big reason i came here was because i thought i wanted to go to law school and the only reason I thought I wanted to go to law school is because everybody around me was telling me, oh, you should be a lawyer. Oh, you should go to law school. And when I started listening to myself, I realized, okay, I I like that aspect of, you know, like political change when it comes to making sure that the needs of, you know, marginalized people are met. But just like what you said, like, it, it's not just through politics. There are so many different ways in which we can make an impact and make a change. And especially social media and television being the things that we consume so much on a daily basis, there is grounds for work to be there as well. You know, I believe in all and activism. I believe in making money and making an impact. And so this is kind of the road that I'm dispersing on. I have no idea what the heck I'm doing. I have no idea how I'm going to get there. But I'm glad now that I can be honest with myself about what my actual interests are and, you know, the ways in which I can, you know, make those changes I want to see in a way that feels most fulfilling to me. Yeah. And and you can contribute to movements um, pushing for black progress and black prosperity through what you're doing through the creative work that you're doing so going back to kind of our earlier discussion about you know your clothing brand what advice do you have for someone that might be listening that might be thinking about starting a clothing brand that's a little hesitant a little scared you gotta start and you know what let me let me quote michelle obama too i'm not gonna quote her word for word because i don't remember but there was something that she said during our conversation when we were talking about fear and we were, we were talking about fear keeping people 
in that small space, keeping them from moving. And part of facing that fear is pushing past that precipice, I believe is the term that she used. And it takes practice. And so when someone asks me, oh, how do I start a business? Or how do I start a new thing in general? You have to just start it. Here's the truth that I'm learning about adulthood. Most adults don't know what the heck they are doing. They just be pretending that they know what they're doing. And part of learning how to do something, honestly, as scary as it sounds, is just to do it. But it takes practice. And so one thing I've learned in my business is me having just started, there were so many things that I didn't know how to do. Like, for example, I did not know the demands that came with being a content creator in general. I thought it was all slick and easy because that's how it appeared to me from the outside perspective. But being in it, I realized that there are so many things that I had to do in order to make this work for me. And that's another thing too, is just like, what works for me won't necessarily work for you and vice versa. And so it's important to get in the practice of doing the thing that seems scary at first, because let me tell you, the more you do something, the less scary it'll be because you'll have more practice doing it. I always say that practice makes better. And so for me in this business, I've just been practicing putting myself out there. Like one thing that my friends know about me is like, my dream job or like my dream career is to have my own TV show. Like that's what I really, really, really would love out of life and to publish a book, right? But this crochet business in particular has been such a large stepping stone in getting me out of my comfort zone. I have had to put my face on a platform where strangers interact with me. And for the most part, I've had very beautiful and lovely people interact with me and be so nice and be courageous. But at the same time, you know, you, you got, you know, haters are going to hate, you know what I'm saying? And so this to me has been very good practice in, you know, being on an online platform or being in a space where I'm exposing myself or exposing parts of myself, you know, to, you know, a wider audience that I, I was never able to do before as well as just has been really good practice in me learning how to find my voice and learning about the things that I care about, you know what I'm saying? And so with the clothing brand in particular, a lot of the learning lessons I had was, you know, how, how, like one, how to make clothes. Like when I started, I'll be honest, I wasn't the best, I was good, you know, I was good, but I wasn't the best crocheter and I wasn't used to making things for other people. I'd always made a lot of stuff for myself or for my family. And so getting used to that really did just take practice. It took me putting myself out there, understanding where I'm at and understanding where I want to be. So if you want to start, I don't care if you don't have, you know, I, I didn't even have a working phone when I started. I used whatever resources that I had now. And I tried not to be perfecting everything. Because the more I try to perfect something, the more I realize I've yet to start. One of the things that I've really wanted to start is a YouTube channel. I've yet to do it because I've been so in my head about perfecting it and getting it just right. And I'm going to stop putting that pressure on myself because at the end of the day, I will improve through practice. So if there's something you don't know, if there's something you're unsure about, if there's something you're uncertain about, that is okay. It is completely, completely normal. Do not let that stop you from going ahead and trying it, from going ahead and pursuing something new. And I promise the answers will slowly reveal themselves as you keep moving forward. One of the analogies I really like to do, it's like you're driving a car in the dog and you can only see 
what's right in front of you through your headlights. But as you go forward more, you see more, right? And that's kind of how it is. You kind of just walking through a dark abyss for a minute, but the more you move forward, the more you see. And that really is how it is. I think also you can't wait for the perfect moment or the moment when you'll finally feel ready or comfortable because you will never have that perfect moment. If you're constantly living your life chasing that perfect moment or chasing that time where things feel right, you're never going to be able to accomplish anything in your life. Um, I always tell people, start now, launch now, and adjust later. When I started my channel, I did not have the right equipment, quote unquote. I wasn't 100% ready, but I, I just had to start. Otherwise, I never would have started. And I really hope you start a YouTube channel because I would love to see you launch a YouTube channel. But you can't keep waiting to feel comfortable because in life you have to do things that make you feel uncomfortable to grow. You are straight preaching for real. But no, for real, I really am. I'm really, I'm really going to start a YouTube channel. Honestly, that's my goal for next month. Like I've already filmed videos. I've started editing five videos right now just so I can have videos set and ready, you know, in case life happens. Because I'm really going to do it this time. I've been talking about it for years. I'm like, nah, Dinah, stop talking, stop doing. And, and you're not always going to get things perfectly. And you don't have to be perfect. No one, no one is following you, subscribing to you for you to be perfect. They just want you to be human. So I'm really excited to see that. Also, I've seen you've done some really, really cool collaborations. And so I'm curious, what would you say is would be your dream collaboration? My dream collaboration. Beyonce. Ah! Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know if I have a dream collaboration per se, but like some of the goals that I've really had is honestly just working with any black woman or any person, honestly, in general that I just really respect and really love and I feel like really just meets the vision of my brand. Like for example, one of the latest collabs, oh my goodness, I'm still pinching myself that it happened, working with Z-Way, that was amazing because Z-Way is like the pers the personification for what I believe my brand to be, okay? I love bright colors, I love bold statements, I love having something to say and making it evident that I have something to say. And Z-Way is literally all about that. Okay, when I say Z-Way is for the people, she is for the people, like honestly. But yo, I would love to make something for Beyonce. I'm not even gonna lie with you. But I do, I have this vision board. And like on my vision board, I've outlined a lot of like the goals that I have for my business or like design in general. And so two big pictures I have is I have a picture of Yara Shahidi on my vision board because I feel like we need to be fr best friends. Like that's how I feel. I felt that way. Dinah, it's gonna happen. You know, that's what I'm saying. It truly is gonna happen. You met, you had two opportunities to meet her and, and you finally met her. So it, it has to happen. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. And let me let me even go on with that. So let me tell you, this, this, Yara Shahidi don't even know about this yet, but we're going to laugh about it when we best friends. You know what I'm saying? There have been too many coincidences with me and Yara, okay? First of all, Yara goes to Harvard. My little sister goes to Harvard. So they both go to the same school. And I think my freshman year before pandemic, they me, my sister and Yara ended up meeting once, right? 
after we come back from DC, right? After we come back from DC, it's the Harvard Yale game. My sister runs into Yara at the Harvard Yale game and they start talking again. And she's like, hey, you remember my sister? You know from, you know that, that top secret event people ain't talking about yet? So that was another reminder she replaced on her about my name, right? And then close to when the episode is about to air, I'm tagging Yara and everything. And she be seeing it and responding and commenting. And the final knot on all of it. I don't know if you knew about like the Dell XPS giveaway that was going on. But essentially, the giveaway is you get a laptop. And then there's a virtual event with Yara Shahidi. And guess who won? Who was one of the winners of that giveaway? Me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am riding this wave. I am riding it. It has to. And the other big, um, the other big like vision I have for myself is being featured in a bunch of different publications. And I feel like that's already happening for me. Like even with this interview, like this is the stuff, this type of stuff I dream of. You know, I was so honored when you reached out to me about being on your podcast. Like I was so honored. And so these are the types of opportunities I've just been trying to manifest. Are we going to see what happens? We are going to see what happens. I think also, not to go back to the whole discussion of the numbers, but like sometimes when you get in your head about numbers, you have to remember that like there are other rewards other than, you know, the number of followers, right? Like there are opportunities like dream collaborations or being able to, you know, go on a podcast or a show that you admire so i definitely i definitely see that happening in the future and um i'm really excited to just to just see you grow i think your brand is really really cool and i love everything about it what is your favorite form of social media at the moment i would say i don't have a favorite form i don't like social media at all but i would say the one that i use the most right now is instagram but i think when i start the one that's gonna become my favorite is youtube just because it's gonna be the newest thing that i get to play with i love long form content i know short form content is like all the rave right now but i really love long form content because i feel like it's easier to kind of like tell a full story that way um so youtube has just always been something that i love but I'm the same way. I, I mean, I, I like social media, but I definitely am wary and cautious of the negative aspects. And one of the things that I'm really glad is that my mom did not let me have social media until I was like 16. And I always was annoyed about it. But I now see that now that I'm older, like how important that was. And my mom was the same way with the social media thing. Like I'm literally telling you, I barely used it before I started my Instagram page. And even on the subject of like YouTube and the long form content, to me, that's where I found like probably the most community, you know, TikTok, I feel like, yes, I love watching videos, but the, the most community you can really get is just commenting on like different posts and stuff like that when they sporadically be coming out like that. But in YouTube in particular, I feel like I've been able to see somebody's journey from the beginning to end and get it in detail. You know what I'm saying? Like people be creating different discords and all of that stuff. And that's how I found the Facebook group chat in the first place. That's also how I learned to crochet. I feel like there have been people on there that I've been following since the, since the very beginning. And I feel like one, it, I mean, is it one of the oldest? I think it might be. It's definitely older than TikTok. So I don't know. It's just an OG to me. 
there are some creators of that have been on YouTube for a long time and YouTube has been a platform that's existed long enough to where you can really see like the evolution of people's content. You can see all of the different stages of their life and it's a really cool place because again, all of social media is a highlight reel, but I think one of the really realest forms of social media is YouTube because it's not as like picture perfect or curated as something like Instagram. Not to say that, you know, it's fully, you can ever fully be authentic and real on YouTube because you're, again, at the end of the day, choosing what to post, what not to post, but it just feels more of like a complete picture and a complete story. I learned how to uh, love my natural hair off of YouTube. You know, there are just so many things. And I feel like for me, YouTube was also my first exposure to like quote unquote black celebrities before they really became celebrities you know there was influences right it was my, like my quote unquote to that representation I felt like I'd always been missing and so I will just always have a soft spot for YouTube like for real it it's the love of my life honestly and I've there's been creators I've literally been following from for years like one of the creators I've been following is Isi Meme Adeko which fun fact I recreated one of her looks I think last year, and she saw it and commented on it. But anyway, sorry, that's a side note. Here's the thing, like when I first started watching her, I did not like my skin. I did not like my hair at all. It's just been such a pleasure to see her grow because you could tell those same feelings harbored on her as well. And it has been amazing to see her be a 21-year-old, which is what I am now, Turn, in, turn into a 27 year old at this point, see that growth and see her just fall more and more in love with herself and who she is as a person. And I love having examples like that because it's like, man, I look forward to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I'm a girl like that too. And so I feel like, again, with that representation piece, like the amount of black creators and the amount of black women I was exposed to because of YouTube has just been so amazing it's really shaped me to be honest yes i love that where can people listening find you on social media shout out all your social media all your all your pages and of course i'll have all of the links to this in the show notes as well so you guys can check check it all out so y'all can find me on instagram and tiktok i am just t corkator on those platforms and you can also find me on youtube because i will start posting videos and my handle for that is dinah t Cole and finally you can check me out at my website which is just t thank you for having me this was so much fun i loved this conversation I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow Dinah on all of her other social handles and just find all of the relevant links. Go shop Tikor Couture. I would love to hear any feedback you guys have, so make sure to rate and review this podcast on the Apple Podcast app. You can actually like write a little review. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can also leave a little rating. As usual, I will be sharing kind reviews over on the podcast Instagram weekly. If you're not following disclaimers aside on Instagram, what are you doing? Check out the show notes, follow it so you can be a part of the community. I look forward to chatting with you guys all next week. Bye.